0: to talk a little bit about anxiety and what the Bible has to say about anxiety. This is kind of a hot topic in our world. Uh, it seems like over the past few years, this idea of anxiety, depression, mental health. And uh, I think there's a lot of good things that have come out of those discussions. And so tonight, I just kind of want to look a little bit uh, about what scripture has to say about anxiety. One kind of mention I want to make to start with, though, there are some things that are kind of a, a clinical anxiety some things that people deal with where um, you know going to a physician and therapy and and those things are necessary and I kind of want to leave that alone tonight because I'm not qualified at all to talk about those things but I kind of want to look maybe more at the things we deal with on a daily basis Uh, some of the stressors as I would call them those things that stress us out that we all deal with that are just part of life looking at that and what scripture says to do with it so I want to pose a question to you tonight to begin What are our stressors? What are things that stress you out on a daily basis? Just what are things maybe that that just stress you out in general? And I kind of want you to think through this. This could be something as simple as spiders, as snakes, something like that. I want you to be thinking through in your mind these things that kind of stress you out, that kind of creep you out. I have a few examples I want to share with you tonight. We'll go to the first one. Now, what you have to understand with College Sunday is this is also a make fun of Paul Sunday and uh, so this is something that I don't even need to explain. I don't think this, this guy can stress you out sometimes. He's crazy, right? And yeah, and this is one of my favorite pictures, though, of, of Paul. But this guy's crazy. He does a lot of good for us. But hey, there's some times there Mitchell can tell you he'll stress you out a little bit, right? Let's go to our next one. So this is me back here. I'm the crazy guy behind home plate getting yelled at by coaches on a, on a daily basis. And You know, you would think that this would be a fun thing. The stakes are low, little kids. No, you're getting yelled at the whole time. And the reason for that is you have people like Lori Fitz. (laughs) I went to one of Trey's football games, and there was an incomplete pass thrown. That was it. I mean, he chucked it out in the cornfield, and that was all there was to it. She just starts yelling. And Caden can attest to this. She just starts yelling. And I look back. I said, Lori, what are you yelling for? She said, I don't know. Things like that just kind of stress us out. But our next one? Yeah, this guy, right? S- seems like any time he pops up on the news that it's just something that is not good, it's something that's a stressful situation. You know, if he pops up there and you're in that red polygon, you, it's about to be bad, right? It's things that stress us out. We live in a very stressful world. How do we deal with that? I want to look tonight at Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, but they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they they spin. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, What will we eat or what will we drink or what what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So many kind of look at this verse and they interpret it to mean that we should never worry about anything in life, right? That we can coast along and anything that comes up that requires our attention that may be a stressful situation, we don't need to worry about that. I'm not sure that that is exactly what Jesus is meaning here. I think he's more looking at these day-to-day situations God understands that these things are going to happen. This isn't something that should freak us out, but rather that we go and we search out God in that. As a matter of fact, anxiety is a a very common theme. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, this is Jesus. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to be grieved and distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So this is Jesus in the garden, right? When you're listening to these words, does this sound like a man who might be a little bit anxious about what's going to happen to him? Does it not sound like a man who may be a little stressed out about the situation he finds himself in? I find Luke's account of this very interesting, because Luke was a physician. He says, in being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground." Now, I'm not a doctor. Brother Carlton can probably explain this a little bit better to you, but this is something that is actually a a medical condition that you become so stressed, and it's very rare, but you become so stressed that your sweat can actually turn like blood. This is a man who is very stressed, is very anxious uh, about what's about to happen. I think this is just proof that stress is something we all have to deal with. Even Jesus had to deal with stress and anxiety. I think about Acts chapter 16, where you have Paul and Silas who are in jail together. Uh, They were beaten, you know, they're under the jail, so to speak, and that's no doubt going to cause some anxiety for them. One thing that I think is very interesting about that, and a point I want to bring up tonight, is the fact that they were there together, right? The fact that they were there, and and even in that situation, they still had some sense of unity and some sense of fellowship. I think that's so important. That's one thing that I would mention about this college group, You see us at church, and and that's great, but I hope you understand that the, the, the fellowship that is here from the college group, it goes beyond just these walls. I can't tell you how many times, even just last week, that I'm walking through campus, and maybe you're frustrated with something, maybe you're anxious about something, and you see somebody's face, and hey, I know that person. I go to church with that person, right, where you can sit down and have a cup of coffee with them and talk through these things of life. There's something to be said there for that fellowship that we have with each other. That's something that's so special about this college group. But that's a little plug. I'll get back to the story. So if we can't stop anxiety, then what do we do? We're going to experience anxiety in our world. That's just a fact. I thought there was a very interesting quote, and I'm not much one to, uh, to quote books, mainly just because I don't like reading books. Uh, but, but this was a very interesting quote that Dr. John Deloney had. He said, anxiety is an alarm that goes off when we are overwhelmed. But he says, the alarm isn't the problem. The alarm is trying to save our lives. I think that's so interesting. When you, sti- when you sit back and you think about the things that, makes us, that make us anxious and that we stress over, uh, a lot of times the anxiety itself isn't really the issue. It's just kind of a symptom of a deeper issue, right? And, and so I think that's interesting. But the stress that we see, there's a deeper problem there that we have to attend to. And sometimes it's bigger than ourselves. So what is the solution Many turn to worldly things to fix it. I'm going to tell you, I don't think this works. I don't think any alcoholic has fixed his life by drinking. I don't think any drug addict will tell you that drugs have fixed their anxiety and their insecurities. These kind of worldly fixes that are put on us, what the world says, these are the things that you can turn to when you're feeling this way, and it's going to make you feel better, and it's going to get rid of these things. I think that's a byproduct of Satan's lies. I don't think any of those things really help. So then that still leaves the question, what do we do? Philippians chapter chapter 4, starting in verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and commendable, If there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As for these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. A couple interesting takeaways that I get from this scripture. Paul instructs us to let our requests be made known to God. That's so important. This is done both through prayer and thanksgiving. See, we in the church, we want to focus on prayer, and that's very important. Whenever we're feeling insecure about things, when we've got stress and anxiety in our lives, that we go and we take that before God. Prayer is so important. That has to happen. That is our avenue to communicate with God to to get these things solved. But also, thanksgiving. And here's what thanksgiving does for you. Being thankful, it slows our worries and anxieties. It allows us to kind of stop and to breathe and take a moment. And it makes us appreciate what we do have. Whenever you just take time to be thankful for things, to be thankful for your opportunities and the things that you do have, the blessings that you have, it kind of gives us the ability to appreciate that and better put into perspective, you know, whatever stress that we are facing. So being able to stop, to be thankful, and to pray to God is so important. If we do what we ought to and focus on the things above, we also receive peace, surpassing understanding. I think this is something, too, where we're short-term individuals, right? Where we see the short-terms and we can see the issues, but long-term, if we do what we're supposed to and if we follow after God, I can't tell you how many times I look back and I see that a lot of these issues kind of take care of themselves. Sometimes even better than what we thought they could. Moving on to the next piece of Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. Having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about you, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. That's that same idea of fellowship that we saw a minute ago. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What does Peter say here? Cast your anxiety to God. It shows the need of a believer of Christ to believe also in the power of deliverance that Christ has. That we truly believe that Christ is big enough to take care of these issues that we face. How can we believe that Christ can save us from our sin if we don't even believe that he can deliver us from our own worries and our own stresses? To cast our cares, it requires fervent prayer, willful study, and a renewing faith. That we are constantly praying, that we are studying out God's word and, and seeing the wisdom that is in it And renewing our faith to God and trusting in him. We have to be on guard. The devil, he's waiting for you to slip up, to become distracted, and to get overwhelmed, right? That's whenever Satan's going to strike, isn't it? It's whenever we're overwhelmed, whenever we're kind of vulnerable, so to speak. That's whenever Satan is looking to really get after us. We have to be on guard. We see this when Peter walks on water. When his eyes are on Christ, he can't sink, right? He's locked in. He's focused on where he needs to be. It's only whenever he moves his focus off of Christ, that's when he becomes overwhelmed. Peter also stresses the importance of our unity as Christians and withstanding hardship. The fact that that we are a group of believers, that we can come together and bear one another's burdens, that's so important. And focusing on God, it allows him to overcome our imperfections, allowing God to work through us. Jesus, he fervently prayed for his father's deliverance in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he also relied on the encouragement of his apostles, right? Whenever Jesus went to the garden, whenever he was facing all these things, he had his apostles there with him, at least a couple of them, because he knew that he didn't want to face that alone. Paul and Silas, again, they sang and prayed fervently in the prison. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus instructs us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We have to keep our eyes on God. We also have to recognize that our anxieties, they're only temporary until we lose hope. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture, Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Well, let me be honest with you. This is a verse I don't understand. This is a verse that in all things, if we focus on God and we fall after God, he's going to cause it to work together for good. There are some situations in life that I don't understand how that works. There are some situations in the life I don't know what God can do with them. But I believe here that this is exactly what scripture means that God will work through these situations to cause all things to work together for good. And a lot of times it takes time for that to happen. Again, we are short-term individuals. We see what is directly in front of us. But if you think about these situations in your life, in the long term, it's crazy how they always seem to work out. We also, to, uh, to focus on our stress, we have to lean on God's spirit. Jesus knew that we would struggle in this world. After all, P- Peter says that we are aliens to the world. He says, Beloved, I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. We are aliens to this world. The the things of this world, they are not for us, right? We are just passing through, and, and we have to just deal with them. But the anxieties, they come on as an attack of our soul. The devil wants to rip out the very peace that Christ gives us because he hates it. The devil, he can't stand it. Christ knew this would come. This struggle isn't something that's new. Listen to the words of Jesus to his apostles, but now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, grief has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I'm leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus explains here, yes, I'm leaving you, but I'm sending my helper. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to come and to be with you and to help you through these things. Jesus knew that this was gonna be something that we dealt with, these anxieties and, and stress. Jesus has sent his spirit to dwell in us. It makes intercession for us. When we have no words in prayer, the spirit guides us. When we are confused on every hand, the spirit of God is there as a helper and a comforter. But we have to get out of the way and let Christ work. Remember the song, thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Allow Christ to work in us through the power of his spirit. It's a hard thing to do sometimes, but it's something that we as Christians have to. And we also finally have to remember the victory on the cross. Christ won at the cross, so we have to quit living life like we are losing. We as Christians have already won. The victory has been had. There's no longer a battle. Christ has won. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting verse 54. But when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, and and focus on this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be firm, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our labor, our struggles, they are not in vain. They are for the betterment of the kingdom of God because the victory has already been won. I want to start concluding tonight We had the uh, opportunity a few months ago to go to Lads to Leaders in Little Rock. That was a very cool experience to, uh, again, kind of set the things of the world aside, to go in there and for everybody to renew their focus on Christ, especially these young kids. Uh, That's something that was so encouraging to me. But their theme this year was to be strong and courageous. In times of anxiety, it takes us being strong in our faith and courageous in the face of great adversity. It's what it takes to be Christians and followers of God. God's promise to Joshua is no different than his promise to us today. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We have to remember that God is with us. That promise still stands to those today who have placed their faith in the one true Savior. And as Paul says to the Romans, if Christ is for us, who can be against us? We celebrate every Sunday the deliverance that we receive from God through the sacrifice of his Son on the cross. He continues to deliver us today from our sins and from our anxieties and stress. And those who are lost with no sense of direction, they're undoubtedly anxious because they don't have Christ. They're anxious as to what can fill that gap. Satan will try to sell you on a lot of material things, but the only thing that is a true fix and will last is Christ. So if you're lost and anxious tonight, I pray that you consider that. Uh, We stand ready to, to bear your burdens with that. If you have any need, please come as we stand and as we sing.